here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Yes, yes, welcome back. I'm looking at the call screen. What are you, we already got a caller? People calling in already. That's great. 877-381-3811 if you want to call. And I'm Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. Uh, if you want to tweet us during the show, if you want to call us again, 877-381-3811. Jump right in. Just call right. We haven't even said what we're going to talk about yet, but by all means, jump right in. By the way, there's always this, for those of you who don't do radio, there's always like this dead air right before you come on. Rich, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's like this 10 seconds before you go on. And I swear, folks, I do this from my home studio, right? And every... It is scary, right, Rich? It is a radio dude's worst nightmare. You're like, please tell me that's just the planned-in radio silence, and I didn't actually lose the connection. And it happens every time. It's not like it's unpredictable. There's this 10-second. If you ever get into radio, you'll see it, too. They go blank. They are going quiet. And you got your fingers crossed, like, please, dear Lord, make sure we're still... (laughs) Yeah. And it happens every hour. I think it's only actually these nationally syndicated shows, which Mark is. All right, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark tonight. Uh, he will be back with you tomorrow. Um, I got a lot to get you. Uh, I don't want you to go anywhere. So if you think you're going to miss two minutes of this show, turn it on on the Mark Levin Show app or whatever it may be. Follow it everywhere. Put it on in your car on the Bluetooth because I got a lot to get to. There were some explosive revelations last night that came out on Sean Hannity's show on Fox um, about this Spygate thing that I think a lot of people just missed. And it was... I don't know if it's because Kavanaugh, the hearings are going on, or because we're all just drinking from a news fire hose, but I am going to walk you through how the whole plot really came together last night. Now, I had a lot of this stuff before. If you listen to me, Sub, you may some of it you may have heard before, but I promise you, you haven't heard uh, the denouement here. Before we get to that, folks, this New York Times op-ed that just came out right before I came on the air, I have to address this. Uh, A New York Times op-ed opinion piece came out from an anonymous, which is very unusual, by the way, from an anonymous author who claims to be a member of the resistance within the Trump administration, claims to be a senior official, which could mean anything. It could mean the guy who refills the ballpoint pens. I mean, I have no idea. Senior official could mean anything. Who knows what the New York Times is citing as a senior official. But, folks, quickly on this, because it's important. We're in a really really dangerous time right now it's not conservatives doing it either i just want to contrast what we did when we objected to the policy preferences and the ideology of a duly elected president barack obama and what the left is doing now Nobody objected to the transfer of power from the bush administration to obama when we do that it's over folks The right understood it would have to go do something, and that something was win elections. That was the genesis of the entire Tea Party movement, where we flushed out swampy members of Congress on the Republican side and got rid of a lot of 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 big government Democrats on the Democrat side as well. We went out. We organized. You should be very proud of yourself. We voted. We voted our policy preferences. Did we change the country permanently? Yes. Did we get everything we wanted? Hardly. I could make the case to you we 
you know, we got some tax cuts in the Trump administration later on. Uh, we didn't stop Obamacare, but we won elections and we did what you do in a constitutional republic. When you object to the peaceful transfer of power, the republic's finished. What else is left? Folks, a, a man or a woman inside the Trump administration actually wrote an op-ed that launched right before I came on the air today. It's a live show, obviously. Claiming to be within the administration, the Trump administration, and, quote, thwarting its goals, to quote the headline. Thwarting its goals. Actively resisting. Who? Resisting Trump? No, 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 no. No, no, no. They're resisting you. Listen, you may love Trump, you may hate Trump, you may be agnostic on Trump. But Donald Trump is the President of the United States who won an election fair and square despite the bizarre conspiratorial theories of the far-left radicals who claim otherwise. Donald Trump is the President of the United States. Donald Trump did something few people have ever done. With zero political experience to speak of, he walked into a political position and won at the highest level, in this case, the presidency of the United States. The election is over. Now to the coward, the chump. You're a chump who wrote this. Yeah, you are a coward. You have an obligation not to go write an op-ed for the New York Times about how you're resisting the will of the people in the form of a presidential election and a duly elected president. You, coward, chump. Yes, you, I'm talking to you. If you're in the car listening, yes, it's you I'm talking to. You're a coward. You have a duty. If you believe, as you claim in this op-ed piece, that the president of the United States, a man who's been in the business and entertainment world and now the political world for a long time, who was vetted by an election process, we voted him into office. If you believe this man is unfit for office, then you have a duty to put your name on that op-ed, you coward, number one, and number two, to resign. You are a gutless punk, and I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing. You don't object to the president. You object to his ideological preferences. Even if you don't think they're ideological, let's, let's be clearer. You object to his policy preferences. You don't want tax cuts. You don't want limited government. You don't want your power over the people's money and taxation. You don't want any of that to go away. So what do you do? You object to Donald Trump himself. Yet you're still collecting a paycheck. Amazingly, you are still collecting a government paycheck and writing anonymous op-eds in the New York Times. You are a coward. You are a complete chump. You need to resign. Stat. Name yourself. They object. They see Donald Trump slowly but surely dismantling the reins of power the swamp has had over your lives for decades now. And they object to it, folks. They can't have it. They can't have it. They are fired up. They see their power diminishing minute by minute, but they won't name themselves these cowards. Think about all the men and women who fought for this country, who fought for the peaceful transfer of power, for the integrity and the fidelity to the Constitution, for the integrity and fidelity of the rule of law, who wore their names on their chest going into combat. And this cowardly chump takes taxpayer money to go work inside the Trump administration and dedicates his or her everyday daily living to thwarting the agenda of the people who voted this man into office. You are a disgrace to humankind. You are an absolute embarrassment. 
And to watch the media world celebrate, celebrate that, because make no mistake, they're celebrating the peaceful transfer of power. They still cannot accept that they lost. You lost. It is over. It's over. You've got another shot in 2020. Matter of fact, you've got a shot in 2018 if you object to the policy directions this government's taking. You object to it, go vote otherwise. Do what the Tea Party did. Organize yourselves. But you can't because you're a coward. I know you're celebrating tonight. You think you're doing some public service. You think you're some benighted person within the administration standing on some moral high ground. You're standing in the arc of a dangerous turn of history, and you're saying stop no further. No, you're not saying stop no further. Donald Trump is standing there saying stop no further to the increasing power of this corrupted swamp over our lives, and you're the one saying stop to that because you have probably profited handsomely off your deep connections to this stinking, fetid swamp we live with right now we call the United States government in D.C. It is a train wreck over there. And everybody knows it. It's only the degree of the train wreck we're arguing about. Folks, this op-ed is a disgrace. The fact that people are celebrating this, it's a disgrace. People on the left should be crying out, name yourselves, resign immediately. Instead, they're celebrating. And why? They're celebrating because the left is desperate right now to instill a permanent sense of chaos surrounding this president. That sense of chaos they want to imbue into your everyday life so you tire of it. So you tire of it and vote for vote for anyone but Trump, basically. But folks, don't fall for it. I'm going to leave you with this thought here on this. This swamp was never going to go quietly. They were never going to leave quietly. They were never going to wave the white flag, folks. Jobs have been promised here. Livelihoods are at stake. People have organized their entire lives around their deep connections to the bow tie wearing lobbyist crowd in Washington, D.C. There were jobs. There was power. There were influence. This was all promised to them. They had jobs lined up for family members. These were sinecures, jobs for life that were it was a lineage of jobs promised to their family bloodline down the future. These are people who organized their entire lives around the predictable power of the D.C. swamp. To take away your liberty in a zero-sum game. Donald Trump is slowly but surely choking that lifeline off to the D.C. swamp and returning power back to you, and these people can't stand it. Do not fall for this false narrative, folks. The chaos is a normal process of trying to get hold The gates were open and the wild horses ran out. It was never going to be easy to get them back in. This is going to get worse before it gets better. This is a deliberate effort by liberals, swamp rodents, and people in the media to instill a permanent sense of chaos. But ladies and gentlemen, it's not chaos if it's planned. Those are diametrically opposed ideas. The Trump team knows what they're doing. Have they been perfect? Have they made some missteps? Of course they have. Some policy prescriptions I object to. But trying to disempower the swamp was never, ever going to be easy. And we're in stage two. The empire strikes back.
But don't worry, the Jedi returns later on. All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin. I've got a great show stack for you. Please don't go anywhere. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. pleasurable experience watching uh, supremely qualified intellectual heavyweight Brett Kavanaugh at the hearings today up on Capitol Hill <laughs> so easily dismantle and swat away the rantings of these uh, delusional liberal Senate Democrats up on the Hill who tried to corner him on every question. Did you miss it? Um, I- I'm going to get to this other stuff in a minute, but in-, in case you missed it, by the way, I'm Dan Bongino in from Mark Levin. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Um, if you missed it, uh, I know they can be long and at times they can be boring. I mean, it'd be great if you taped it and he can fast forward, but fast forward past some of uh, outside of the exchange between Mike Lee, um, Ted Cruz and, uh, and, and Kavanaugh, which was just an epic episode in constitutional governance uh that was fun to watch but uh, most of the other stuff i want you to just like fast forward over to him dismantling senator patrick Leahy, who tries to corner kavanaugh on some allegedly stolen email he was the recipient of did you see it they give him a copy a printed copy of this email chain that liberal senator patrick Leahy, he's about to accuse him of stealing this email or being the recipient of it the problem is it doesn't say that, and the stolen email isn't actually in the email chain. Kavanaugh just swatted them away uh, just over and over. Sheldon Whitehouse, who gets the rudest senator uh, of the day award, Sheldon Whitehouse just totally obnoxious, tried to pin him down on all kinds of different things. But Kavanaugh just uh, just easily, easily swatted all of it away. It uh, really was fun to watch at times. All right, uh, moving on. Here's what I want to talk about today. So last night on uh, Sean Hannity's Fox show, uh, Sarah Carter was on and uh, was on with Greg Jarrett. And they mentioned something that's been getting very little press play. And the reason I suspect is probably pretty obvious. Um, Folks, we're drinking from a news fire hydrant these days. It's obvious. I do content production all day. This is my third show today. (laughs) I have one more after uh, be on Fox tonight. So I'll be doing four shows today. And I'm telling you, you never run out of content. Rich, am I kidding? I'm not kidding, right? This is like the greatest thank you, Rich. It's clear as day. No, emphatically no. You, it, The Trump administration and the bizarre liberalist response to the Trump presidency has been just a cornucopia of information. So last night, I think this got lost, but there was an incredible point that Carter brought up. She brought up the fact that it's come out over the last couple of days that Andrew Weissman, who is the lead investigator in this Mueller witch hunt, this, this bizarre investigation going on, which has no purpose anymore, that Andrew Weissman, we now find out during the investigation of Donald Trump was being was being kept, quote, in the loop on the Bruce Orr Fusion GPS stuff. Folks, this is. This is not I'm, I'm going to put this into a bigger, larger context. tonight. I'm going to lay out for you the entire plot from day one, how this thing happened, how the Justice Department had plan A, had plan B, and is now at plan C, which is the Mueller probe. But that piece of information I want to I want you to keep in your head. Andrew Weissman, 
the actual Mueller bulldog in this case what knows everything. Apparently, he was being kept in the loop on this information exchange between a, an oppo research company, Fusion GPS, a senior Justice Department official in Bruce Orr, and him. This is not a small thing. And one other piece of information, and this is going to make sense as I tie this whole thing together. We found out recently as well that Bruce Orr, this number four official in the Justice Department, who was information laundering for Hillary Clinton's opposition research firm. He's shuttling information to the FBI through the Justice Department, even though he's not assigned to the Trump case. We find out that his wife, who we know worked for Fusion GPS, that's not new. But now we find out she was working for Fusion GPS possibly as far back as 2015. Folks, that is a huge piece of information that, again, has been lost in the just tornado of news that comes at us every day. Why is that important? Because I'm about to lay out to you in the next hour or so how the original plot to take down Trump, we'll call it Plan A. It wasn't called Plan A at the time. It was just a plan. But how that Plan A required somebody on the inside to be working for Fusion GPS as far back as 2015. This information we found out, which is deeply disturbing. Don't miss this. I'm going to take you on a ride over the next couple hours. All right, I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Conservatism with passion. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now. 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for Mark. will be back with you tomorrow at the Bongino on Twitter. If you want to comment, criticize, whatevs, we take them all. If you want to call in, 877-381-3811. Look at that. We got an Evansville, Indiana. Evansville, home of Don Mattingly. Donnie Baseball. Rich, remember Donnie Baseball? You Greatest Yankee I, I, in my time, no doubt. Love Donnie Baseball. Don Mattingly, if you're listening, you are the greatest Yankee of our generation. I remember his batting title races with Wade Boggs. Those were epic. Boggs, man, he was awesome. Talk about a great contact today. All right, don't want to get off topic too much. Love Boggs, too. He was a Yankee, too. Remember him riding a horse after that World Series victory? That was great. So, as I said to you before the break... Major piece of news, we find out that Bruce Orr's wife, the guy in the Justice Department who is laundering information into the FBI, which is used later to spy on the Donald Trump team, we now find out that his wife may have been working for Fusion GPS as far back as 2015. Why does that piece of information matter? Folks, there were three. As far as I can count, based on my research for my book, and I appreciate a lot of you that picked it up. I don't want to do endless plugs, but I have a new book out on this called Spygate by me, Dan Bongino, if you want to pick it up. But based on my research on this book, I've come to believe there are three distinct and separate plots to take down the Trump team. Now, they weren't planned that way. I call them uh, plan A, plan B, and plan C, but the original plan A was just called the plan. They didn't think they were going to get caught. Oh, but they did get caught. So they had to move on. And then it became plan A because plan B was in effect. So what was plan A? What happened? Why does this new information about Nellie Orr being working with Fusion GPS as far back as 2015? Why does it even matter? Who cares? Folks, let me rewind this tape a little bit and take you out to the 
60, 70,000 foot level. So you can get an idea of just how destructive and disturbing what happened to the Donald Trump team during the campaign and after and how bad this Mueller probe is. Folks, around April 18th of 2016, a critical thing happens that none of you should ever forget. The National Security Administration director at the time, Mike Rogers, discovers something's wrong. I love stories. He discovers something's wrong. What's wrong? What happened? It wasn't that his porridge was too cold. He notices that the NSA database... That can be queried. By the way, a massive database, ladies and gentlemen. Metadata, email information, phone information. The Rosetta Stone. The Rosetta Stone of information for, to, to, to buy on, to monitor Americans, to monitor people overseas. The NSA has a database that can do some of these things. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but it is a powerful database. No one who knows anything about it would deny that. There are very specific procedures to query that database when it involves U.S. persons because you have very specific Fourth Amendment rights. The procedures to query foreign persons who may at some point have interacted with a U.S. person also have minimization rules. In other words, to minimize the information exposure of a U.S. person. I will walk you through this, but don't forget this point. It is not incidental and it is not a small one. They have the ability to spy on you right now. It's not all-encompassing, but it's pretty broad. But you being a U.S. citizen, you have very specific rights, and there are procedures set out by this NSA database to make sure that you are not spied on inadvertently by your government. Or advertently. On April 18th of 2016, Mike Rogers notices something's wrong. And it's something dramatic. He notices there's a problem with the queries going on into the database. He immediately stops the querying of the database by private contractors. You say private contractors? Wait, wait, Dan, I'm confused. You're saying this is a government database of emails, phone records, metadata type information that has U.S. persons in there. That it's a government database, but now you're telling us that private contractors had access? Oh, yes, that is exactly what I'm telling you. Oh, you doubt me? Folks, if you Google the April 26, 2017 FISA court, let's call it document, that was an expose of what was going on with this database, You will see what I'm about to tell you is true and is out there on the open Internet for anyone with an entrepreneurial mind and a goal to get information can find themselves. But I'll get to that report in a second. I'll even give you the pages you can go to. But I'll get to that in a second. I want to stay where we are now. Mike Rogers in April of 2016, a year before this FISA ruling comes, FISA court uh, paper comes out. Mike Rogers notices something's up. Mike Rogers is going to look like a very good guy in this in the end when this story is finally told. He notices that these private contractors are querying the database. We find out later on, after he demands an investigation from his compliance office about what's going on, we find out some absolutely astonishing things, folks. We find out that up to 85% 
of these queries being done on U.S. persons via private contractors that they may not have fully complied with minimization procedures. We find out that private contractors were given access to the database. We find out also, astonishingly, that, quote, access continued even after these private contractors completed their work in response to the FBI's request. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm not saying that wrong, folks. Private contractors, non-government employees, were granted access to the most powerful spying database in human history. The queries were not meeting minimization standards. The queries were being done by private contractors, and the access to the system continued even after the request by the FBI that they were given the access to was done. What the heck is going on here? Now, to give you this, the genuine scoop, because I don't like when people spin things conspiratorially either way when it's not necessary just to sound so impressive. It's not unheard of for the FBI to use private contractors at some point to analyze some of the data that may have been in this database. An example I, I'll give you now, which is going to be applicable later. Don't miss out on this. Let's say the FBI is looking at some foreign subject and they don't have the language capacity to translate the email or to translate the context of the email, given the nuances of a foreign language. It would not be unheard of for the FBI to seek some technical assistance if they cannot find it from within the government to maybe seek some cleared private contractor access. It's not that the private contractors were used. That's the scandal. I want to be clear on this. Also, there may be some technical capabilities the FBI doesn't have where some private contractors may have been given access to uh, in some workaround as long as they're cleared. So it's not that the private contractors were given access to the most powerful spying database in the history of humankind. It's the fact that the access continued after the job was up and up to 85% of some of these queries did not meet minimization standards designed to protect your rights. Now, this is in the ruling a year later that comes out. Because remember, Rogers stops this. Mike Rogers at the NSA sits there with his arm up and says, stop, something is happening with this database, this massive database we spy on people with. And I don't want spy to have a negative connotation. Sometimes we're spying on foreign terrorists. And that's fine. They don't have constitutional rights. Foreigners on foreign soil. They have zero constitutional rights. And if they're looking to attack us, good for you. Knock yourselves out, NSA. But when it comes to U.S. persons, we have this thing called the Constitution. There should be no workaround. But apparently there was. Apparently searches were being done that were not minimizing relevant information on U.S. persons who had no warrant. There was no warrant against them to search for this information. Ladies and gentlemen, I have two questions for you. Who the hell were those private contractors? And what were they searching in that database? Folks, the evidence is becoming clearer by the day that the FBI is hiding something here. We know This is not a conspiracy theory, ladies and gentlemen. I don't do that garbage. If you listen to my show, you know I I cite all my, I put all my articles up. I put them up the day of the show every time. We put timelines up and everything else. 
the FISA court's own investigative uh, it. It's 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 summary of the investigation into what I'm telling you is out there for all of you to see. It is an April 26, 2017 FISA court ruling. Just put private contractors in there. You can read it yourself. If you go to page 82, page 83 and page 84, you will see exactly what I'm telling you, that the FISA court themselves acknowledged that there was a very, very serious problem about abuses of the most important, powerful spying database known to mankind. This is all documented. Now, who were those contractors? Folks, we don't know at this point exactly who these contractors were. But we know for a fact that Fusion GPS, which was a contractor which had hired a language specialist. Remember what I told you. One of the reasons they may hire private contractors is for language specialties. We now find out that Fusion GPS may have hired a specific person with a very specific set of language skills as far back as 2015 and 2016 when these queries into the most powerful spying database known to humankind, when these queries were going on. Folks, Bruce Orr's wife, Nellie Orr, has very specific language skills. There's a language she speaks. Spanish? Maybe. I don't know. But I don't think so. Czech? Mm, Not so much. She speaks Russian. She speaks Russian. She works for Fusion GPS. Where was Fusion getting its information? How was Fusion getting the information that they used in the form of the Steele dossier? How were they getting that information? I'm going to pose a question you should be asking every single congressperson, senator, and anybody you can get your hands on in the administration to talk to every time you see them. Who were those private contractors, folks? Was one of those private contractors Fusion GPS? We're entitled to If it wasn't, great. And I mean that. Great. Terrific. At least we'll know that Hillary Clinton did not, and by the way, other Republicans, hire a company. Now, the dossier was a Democrat endeavor. Let's be clear on that. Don't believe the liberal hype. But the hiring of Fusion GPS was a swamp operation. It wasn't just Democrats. I think we're entitled to know who those private contractors were. Where was Fusion GPS getting its information? Did they have access to people who were accessing this database? Now, folks, on the other side of this break, I'm going to paint for you a picture. Remember, we're still on plan A. Plan A is what? Plan A is, man, let's use that database and let's get everything we can. Let's hoover it up. The problem is they got caught. Mike Rogers catches them in April of 2016 and shuts that mm down, as Negan says in The Walking Dead. I don't have a buzzer here, but you don't need it. Don't worry. It's a family-friendly show. (laughs) I don't want to make Rich panic. Rich has a buzzer, though. (laughs) I don't slip. Don't worry. Mike Rogers shuts it down. They had to move on to Plan B. But I'm not done yet summing up Plan A. All the open questions about who the heck is probing that database and what were they looking for? There's an interesting angle that leads me to believe that Fusion GPS may have some questions to answer here. 
I'll give you more of that on the other side of this break. I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Dan Bongino in for the great one. He will be back with you tomorrow. So, as I said before the break, we're still on Plan A. Plan A, this massive spying database the NSA has. The FBI has access to it. We find out through the FISA court, through a Mike Rogers-ordered probe, that private contractors amazingly are given access to the system, but given access even after their job with the FBI is done. Oh, isn't that special? We find out also that a number of these queries are being done in violation of your constitutional rights and established minimization procedures to prevent the government from spying on you. We also find out that they're using language specialists and things like that. And a, connect, and a connected company, connected to the Justice Department through Bruce Orr, by the way, hired Bruce Orr's wife as far back as 2015 when a lot of these searches were going on. Wow. Now, what leads me to believe that there could potentially be a connection here between private contractors funneling information to Fusion GPS and that information being later used to spy on the Trump team? Now, we're still in plan A, but I got to jump a bit here to plan B because this dossier doesn't appear until they get to plan B. Plan B, when Mike Rogers shuts down spying using the computer system and the database, plan B is clearly they're going to go after an FBI investigation. But to get an FBI investigation, they have to get a preliminary investigation knocked out first. And to get a preliminary investigation knocked out, they need evidence. And some evidence appears in the form of a dossier. I'm going to go into more detail on Plan B, I promise you, in the next hour. But this is a critical point to why I think there is a very suspicious connection here between these private contractors and information that appears later once their access is shut down. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Cohen, Michael Cohen, Trump's attorney, who you all know his case was referred out of the Mueller investigation into the Southern District, which says to me that Bob Mueller is fully aware that Michael Cohen was not involved in Russian collusion. Why? Because Bob Mueller has been charged with investigating this collusion hoax and did not take the case against Michael Cohen. Folks, he referred it to the Southern District of New York. Mueller has this information. Mueller's witch hunt has all of what I'm telling you. They know clearly Cohen's not involved in collusion or they would have prosecuted it themselves. But... But the media is holding on to a story about Michael Cohen that appears later on in the dossier and will not let this story go. You can't have it both ways. Either Cohen was involved in collusion or he wasn't. I'll explain to you why this matters in the next hour. Don't go anywhere. I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin. Give us a call, 
in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Yeah, baby, welcome back. Yeah. <laughs> a little Howard Dean. Yeah. Remember the scream? I miss that guy. No, not really. <laughs> All right, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark. He'll be back with you tomorrow. Out of the bullpen again. Always happy to be here. Hey, look at you, producer Rich. Bringing it. Bringing the pain. Love it. I watched that live, too, when that happened. I, you know, I, I didn't even think it was that big of a deal when Dean did it, but it became the scream heard around the world after that. All right, so I've been talking about this entire picture finally coming together, the multiple plans to basically sweep the leg on the Trump team. Plan A, which we described in the last hour. I'm going to finish up here. I'm going to move into plan B. The original plan to take down the Trump team and other Republicans is finally coming together. During the Obama administration, we now know, according to public documents, you can all look up yourselves. Don't take my word for it, folks. I encourage you to do your own research. Ignorance is not bliss. April 26th, 2017, the FISA court puts out a document exposing some incredibly damning information about the abuses of the most powerful spying database in the world during the Obama administration's tenure. Crazy how that happens. An incredible number of searches were conducted on U.S. persons not using minimizations procedures. Who were those, who were those U.S. persons? They were being conducted by private contractors. Private contractors? Wait, what? Come again? Some of these private contractors even had access to these powerful spying NSA database after they left. And Mike Rogers, NSA director, sees this and says, what is going on? Uh, Stop. Folks, I believe based on the research I've done for, again, my book and for my own shows that I put together on this, I believe now that this was the original scandal of the operation to spy. That's why I call it Spygate. That's why I call the book Spygate, because it's about a spying operation. It's not just one thing. It was multiple, multiple levels that went into this to make sure they could accumulate information on the Trump team they could use for political uh, weaponization purposes during the campaign. Don't forget, nobody thought Trump was going to win. Or if they lost afterwards to get him impeached immediately. So plan A is use this spy database. Plan A doesn't work. They have to move to plan B. I'm going to get to plan B in a second, but there's a suspicious thing that happens with plan A that leaves me to believe that these private contractors may have been funneling information to Fusion GPS or may have been Fusion GPS themselves. We don't know. I want to know. You should want to know, too. Here's what happens. The dossier compiled by Christopher Steele, who's working for Fusion GPS and working for Hillary Clinton, to go gather negative information on Trump. There is a piece of information in there where there's these two things that can't exist at the same time. Follow me here. Michael Cohen, Trump's attorney, is investigated by Bob Mueller. Bob Mueller's charged with investigating Russian collusion. Bob Mueller passes off that case, acknowledging that Cohen doesn't have anything to do with Russian collusion. If he did, he would investigate it. He passes the case off to the Southern District of New York. 
So on one hand, we have Bob Mueller himself acknowledging through his prosecutorial tactics that Cohen has nothing to do with Russian collusion. But on the other hand, folks, we have this interesting dilemma developing in the press where McClatchy reports that the part of the dossier that says Michael Cohen was in Prague to coordinate a hack into the DNC, acting as Trump's lawyer, there's a part of the dossier that says this, places Michael Cohen in Prague as a central figure in this plot to have this meeting to technologically attack and hack into the DNC and to use that information later, the Michael Cohen Prague visit is a central component of the collusion fairy tale weaved in the dossier. Please tell me you understand this. It's important. Michael Cohen has to be in Prague for the Prague story to be true. Right? Right. The problem is Mueller is not investigating Cohen. Even worse... There are members of the press, notably even people from CNN, who noted in their own reporting as far back as 2017 that the Michael Cohen in Prague may have been, quote, a different Michael Cohen with the same birthday. Oh, oh, really? Now, where would Christopher Steele, the author of the dossier, Where would he possibly get information? Keep in mind, he doesn't work for a government anymore. He has a company called Orbis. He is a private contractor. He used to be a spy for the United Kingdom. He's not anymore. Where would Christopher Steele get that information about a Michael Cohen who was in Prague with the same birthday? Who did he get that information from? Did he get it from Fusion? Did someone give it to Fusion? Where did Fusion get it from? Is it possible they were querying a government database and thought they struck gold when they saw Michael Cohen with the exact same birthday? By the way, ladies and gentlemen, Cohen and Michael are not uncommon uh, are not uncommon names. These are very common names. Michael and Cohen are very common. The combination is very common. It's extremely common. Michael Cohen is not an unusual name. How would they get that information? Now, what's the dilemma? Because you may say, okay, what do you say? You're saying Mueller's acknowledging that it probably wasn't Michael Cohen, and so is the media. No, 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 not all of the media. McClatchy, which is another media operation, largely print, McClatchy reported in this big expose they put out a little while ago. What was it back in? Oh, this was this was in 2018 in April that they may have evidence that Cohen was in Prague. Michael Cohen, Trump's Michael Cohen. That they may have evidence that he was and that he may have passed in through a checkpoint in the Schengen zone where his passport might not have been pa- uh, been stamped. Now, Cohen's defense has always been, and Lanny Davis's lawyer has said this as well, we were never in Prague. I don't have a passport stamp for Prague. I've never been to Prague in my life. I have not been to Prague. Therefore, that's that part of the dossier saying I went to Prague to coordinate this collusion with the Russians and this technology hack into the Democrats can't be true. I was never there. Why is McClatchy so ferociously defending their story? They've yet to retract that story, by the way. 
Ladies and gentlemen, is it possible that some of the same sources that were feeding information to Fusion GPS or where Fusion GPS themselves may have fed that story to McClatchy as well? And it's not that McClatchy's defending the story. It's that McClatchy doesn't want to give up their source, which would place them knee deep in fostering this entire Russian collusion hoax the whole time. Folks, I've worked in the government for a very long time. I loved it. I've checked the databases. It is not uncommon to get a Michael Cohen, a John Smith, a Anthony Rodriguez. You name a very common name. I've seen it over and over. Tony Brown, John Brown, that have birthdays all the time. Somebody probably queried a government database, got his name, thought they had scored huge, fed it to Fusion GPS, which they put in the dossier. Thinking that information would be verified later, it turned out to be total crap. It's the wrong guy. It's not the right guy. But it indicates to me strongly that somebody tapped into that government database, maybe one of these private contractors, and was feeding information to an opposition firm, Plan A, hired by Hillary Clinton to gin up information on Donald Trump. Do you realize the magnitude of this scandal and why the FBI and Department of Justice will not come clean about how this investigation started? Folks, let me propose to you before I move on to Plan B. I got to take a break here, but. Plan A may not have been in operation by just Democrats or the Obama administration. There may be other people who knew about this. They may not just be Democrats. This operation as well to use government databases, to use unmasking, to use foreign intelligence, to spy on political opposition may not have just been targeted at the Trump campaign. That may be the reason the FBI to this day will still not come clean with all the documents indicating how and when this investigation started. Paragraph one of that investigative report, folks, paragraph one may be one of the most disturbing things you've ever read. Folks, that was plan A. Use the databases, use foreign intelligence, which we already know. According to CNN and other left-leaning outlets themselves who've already reported foreign intelligence was passing information on the Trump team to U.S. intelligence. Use that. Use your unmasking powers to unmask U.S. citizens talking to these foreigners. Spy on the Trump team and others using that. When you can't get that information or you still have holes to fill in, tap into that NSA database. Get the private contractors to do it. Who were the private contractors? Oh, we got a lot of questions about that. Then that collapses because Mike Rogers from the NSA says no more, no mas, not on my watch, and shuts it down in April of 2016. Then they had to go to plan B. But we don't have enough time because we're going to take a break. So on the other side of the break, I'm going to tell you how the panic sets in because they can't give up the spying operation on the Trump team and they move almost seamlessly into plan B, which is the setup and this one is ugly i'm dan bongino in for mark levin mark levin
Dan Bongino in for the great one. He'll be back with you tomorrow, so have no fear. Just coming out of the bullpen, temporarily throw a few innings, turn it over to the, the number one starter tomorrow. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Listen, I'm going to take a call. If you want to call in 877-381-3811, excuse me. Um, and we've been talking about this entire operation from 60,000 feet to take down the Trump team and how they seamlessly moved from plan A to plan B to plan C. Oh, man, Mr. Call Screener, we just, ah, oh, dude, you got to call back. We just had a caller on the line who wanted to battle it out over this, and he bailed. All right, who else is good? Give me someone else. Who should we take here? All right, let's go to Marty in New York City. Marty! Oh, wait, wait, you did. Okay, cool. All right, hold on, Marty. We'll get to you, too, so just chill for a minute. Let's go to, what is this, Mark? Is that your real name, Mark in Oregon? What do you got for us, Mark? Let's hear your side of the story. Hi, Dan. I think it's rather telling that you find it necessary to concoct these elaborate uh, conspiracy theories about the promulgation of this dossier. I have some questions about it myself, and I certainly feel that Hillary is a corrupt uh, politician. Okay, so, uh, Mark, well, slow down a sec. What's, what's, what exactly is the conspiracy theory you were referring? Because I, I find with people like yourself, they, they're conspiracy theorists themselves, and that's how they throw the charge to distract. So please describe to the audience what exactly is the conspiracy theory. Well, you're, you're uh, concocting these conspiracy theories about how Christopher Steele had access to... Um, to data or information that would have been from a spy agency, I would imagine he's still got contacts over there at GCHQ. And they've got everything that NSA has because they scoop it right out of the undersea cables. So, oh, so you're uh, suggesting that what I said before about foreign intelligence passing information to the U.S. intelligence agencies on Donald Trump was true. So you're saying that what you call the conspiracy theory is in fact true, right? No, I'm saying that you are developing this conspiracy theory to explain. I am. Okay, uh, Mark, can I read you a headline? Let me read you a headline. And Mark, because you seem to be so confident of your own ignorance, I'm going to read you a headline. Uh, this is 1249 a.m. Eastern Time, April 14, 2017. This is not uh, a conservative website I'm about to read you a headline from. I'll tell you who it's from in a minute, because you apparently you think it's a conspiracy theory that intelligence entities were spying on Donald Trump. Keep in mind, this is from 2017. Here's the headline, Mark. I'll educate you for a minute if you'll open your rather small mind. Um, British intelligence passed Trump Associates communications with Russians on to U.S. counterparts. Mark, where do you think that headline's from? You are uh, let me I just let me help you, Mark, because you're not that bright, clearly. Uh, that's from CNN.com uh, by Jim Shuto, Pamela Brown and Eric Bradner. So the fact that foreign intelligence was spying on Donald Trump was reported on by CNN April 14th of 2017. You can Google that headline yourself. Are they conspiracy theorists, too? No, that, that's not even surprising. I would expect that, that. Oh, that's not. Wow. Okay, so let me get this straight. You called up to tell me that I was promulgating a conspiracy theory about foreign intelligence and intelligence operators spying on the Trump team. I then read you a headline from CNN about precisely what I said. You agree with it, and then you try to cover your own butt by saying, what well, I, I don't understand. Like, you're arguing with yourself, Mark. Full of it. You are promulgating a conspiracy theory about where Christopher Steele got the information. Mark, did I just did I did you just not hear the is that headline made up? Do you have Google? You have a computer? Bing.com, Yahoo? CNN. So I, can you you can check that headline yourself, right? Anybody. 
So, Mark, uh, let me ask you also, additionally, what, what other portion of what I said is a conspiracy theory, given that you've already confirmed what you allege was a conspiracy theory was true? What else? You are wondering where Christopher Steele got his information about Cohen and Prague, and you are positing conspiracy theories there. That's got uh, nothing to do with the Positing the conspiracy theory that British intelligence passed Trump Associates' communications with Russians onto U.S. counterparts. CNN, April 14, 2017. That is certainly interesting, and I would like to see their source. Oh, oh, now it's interesting. Oh, isn't that special? See, I love what you liberals call, because you never know anything, liberals. That's a funny thing about you all. I let you talk a little bit because I wanted you to humiliate yourself in front of Mark's national audience. You didn't let us down, by the way. Thank you very much. But this is what you do. Now, folks, also, because get rid of this guy. He's a clown, by the way. Um, Mark can also look at the April 26, 2017 FISA ruling from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court, folks, which I'm encouraging you to Google yourself. That's the great part about computers and fact-checking. And you can read about the private contractors who were, in fact, given access to the NSA database. You can read about the 85% of queries that didn't meet minimization standards. You can also read about how Mike Rogers shut that down because they sensed something was wrong. But liberals don't want to do that because they pride themselves on living in a black hole of stupid. Thanks, Libs. Be back. If Mark has banned you from the show, we have a special number you can call to reach him. 877-381-3811. <laughs> I love that. Oh, do I love that. Rich, you know me well, man. I love that thing. I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Hope you're enjoying the show so far. I always love when liberal callers call in like that guy said his name is Mark. His name is probably uh, Tony or Bobby or something like that. But I love when they call in to humiliate themselves in front of a national audience. You're rich, right? If you're going to call into the Mark Levin show, it's not a small show. What is the second, third biggest show in the country? I don't know. Like he's got millions of listeners. If you're going to call in, like, do your homework, man. Do your homework. This is, this is recorded. He has the Mark Levin Show app. You can listen to the podcast, Mark Levin Show, on iTunes. Look it up. You can listen to it all over on iHeartRadio, everywhere. This will be recorded forever. Mark the Liberal calling in, not knowing anything, getting humiliated on the air. He'll be memorialized in Mark Levin show history as the guy who called in to take on the Spygate thing and knew nothing about the actual Spygate thing. Gosh, Libs, just one of you. You know, I don't want to get sidetracked because I do have to get the plan B here if you've been listening. I will. But seriously. Do any of you guys know, or ladies out there in the liberal ecosystem know what you're talking about? This show's broadcast on something like 500 stations. Surely somebody has a point to make on the liberal side. Uh, Rich, how many times do you think I've subbed for Mark? 100 now? Maybe more? I don't even know. A lot, right? I don't know. I'd have to go look at my calendar. It's been a lot. I have yet. I'm not kidding. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm definitely not the best looking, and I'm certainly not the most athletic. But you would think after 100 shows that some liberal would call in and be able to make at least a cogent or coherent point. But they can't. They never have anything, ever. They call in, they're like, you smell or something. <laughs> it's, that's why I enjoy it so much. 
That's the only, only, by the way, negative feedback I've ever gotten from subbing on Mark's show. Is they're like, Dan, I, we really would appreciate some better arguments with these liberals. I would, too, if they actually had anything to say. But they don't. They go into clown mode like 10 seconds in. I don't know what you're talking about. It's a conspiracy theory. What, what part of it's a conspiracy theory? Then he goes on to confirm exactly what I just said. <laughs> oh, boy. I love radio. Okay, so plan B. Plan A, let's use the NSA database to spy on the Trump team and the Republicans. After all, we are the Obama administration, and why not just do that? Why not just use government app? I mean, we've used government uh, apparatus, the government apparatus before to spy on people. We've used uh, the government, weaponized government to do all kinds of things. We sick the IRS on conservative groups. The Obama administration has a history of doing that. We've used John Brennan to uh, tap into the communications of Senate staffers on the Iran deal. Oh, you don't think any of this happened? Again, try that thing called the interweb and Google or Bing or whatever. You can read about all of this yourselves, the conspiracy theory left out there who believes none of this happened. That's a conspiracy theory. The Obama administration did this stuff. Okay, it actually happened. So them abusing and weaponizing government during a political campaign against Republicans running against one of their insiders, Hillary Clinton, is not a it's not a bridge too far, folks. Besides, as I said, we already have the FISA court document themselves indicating that these abuses happened. It's not a mystery. We have reporting by CNN that they were using foreign intelligence to spy on the Trump team. This isn't Dan Bongino's reporting. It's CNN's reporting. Read it yourself. April 14, 2017. Their own reporting that foreign intelligence was spying on the Trump team with the, using the Obama administration as a conduit for the information. You think CNN's making it up? Why haven't they retracted the story? It's still there if you go look at it. It's still there. But folks, that operation got shut down. The access to this FISA database got shut down, so they had to move on to Plan B. What is Plan B? Plan B was the setup. If they couldn't spy on the Trump team using foreign intelligence, and they couldn't spy on the Trump team using the NSA database, and other Republicans, by the way, then you're darn right they were going to spy on that Trump team, but they were going to have to find another way. Who comes in and fits nicely into this picture right now? All of a sudden, you have John Brennan meeting with British intelligence, GCHQ head Richard Hannigan at the, quote, director level. They start passing information back and forth. Next thing you know, magically, John Brennan goes up to Capitol Hill, starts briefing people in the U.S. Senate, notably Harry Reid. A letter gets written to the FBI almost demanding an investigation from Harry Reid's office. And in that letter is information that only appears in the dossier. So somebody, I can envision it now, folks, they're sitting around in this conference room. Some of these swamp rat insiders are like, okay, we're spying on Trump and his team using the NSA database. That's not working anymore. What do we do now? Well, we need some kind of legal predicate to spy on the team because Mike Rogers is on to our tricks, right? What do we do? What do we do? I've got an idea. What about the FISA courts? The FISA courts? You mean the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Courts? We use that to spy on terrorists. No, no, we can use it to spy on the Trump team. Well, how are we going to do that? 
Well, first we have to find evidence that some member of the Trump team is acting on behalf of a hostile foreign power and doing so in violation of U.S. law. Yeah, but we don't have that. None of the Trump team members are doing it. (gasps) I've got an idea. You know, I heard about Trump in this meeting in March, right? He was meeting with this newspaper editorial board. This actually happened, folks. And the editorial board questioned Donald Trump. And they said, hey, listen, uh, do you have any foreign policy advisors? We're hearing all these foreign policy advisors are going to uh, uh, presidential campaigns on the Republican side that are challenging you and they're avoiding your team. Trump whips out a piece of paper and says, oh, I've got foreign policy advisors. I've got this guy, that guy. I've also got these two guys, Carter Page and George Papadopoulos. Oh, oh, that information gets out relatively quickly. Someone sitting in that FBI or DOJ conference room looking for a reason to spy on the Trump team probably says that they're at that point, hey, I've got an idea. Let's put a FISA warrant in to spy on Carter Page. Well, how are we going to do that? We don't know he's acting on behalf of a foreign power. Oh, 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 oh. We used this guy before. In a case against the Russians. Yeah, but they used him. They used him as a confidential informant. In other words, they used him as a good guy to nail a Russian spy. Yeah, but he was talking with the Russians and we got wind through this dossier provided by this steel guy who's been passing information to Bruce Orr over at the DOJ. And uh, by the way, Bruce Orr's wife works for Fusion GPS with steel over there. We've got information that Carter Page may have been over in Russia, and that's surely going to be enough to, at a minimum, start a preliminary investigation. They can't start a full investigation yet, folks. They don't have the information. There are still rules in the FBI. Somebody probably sat around and said, ah, man, I don't know, guys. We're really going to start an investigation into this Carter Page uh, to start spying on this Trump team for the administration here? Based on the fact that he helped us nail a Russian spy in the past and he traveled to Russia, that's, uh, I don't know, that's that's about 20-proof vodka right there. That that ain't much. No, no, no. There's going to be more. I've got an idea. They also hired this cat, George Papadopoulos. This guy's new to politics. He worked a little bit with the Carson campaign, but he doesn't have a lot of experience in this kind of stuff. I guarantee you, this is when the winks and the nods start. I guarantee you that if we were to send one of our sources and assets in there to contact Papadopoulos, that we can probably get Papadopoulos on the record talking about whatever we want him to. Well, what would we want him to talk about? Well, if we can get him to mention something about Hillary's emails and the Russians, man, do we got a case. All right, let's try it. Papadopoulos meets up with this mysterious Maltese professor in April, in April of 2016, by the name of Joseph Mifsud. By the way, a Maltese professor that through Mueller's uh, prosecution of Papadopoulos, you would think somehow was connected to the Russians and Russian collusion. There's some light evidence of that, but there's some very heavy evidence that Mifsud's contacts were largely with Western intelligence, folks. So he meets with them, but that's not really working out because Papadopoulos doesn't take debate. He takes this meeting. This guy, Mifsud, mentions things about dirt on Hillary, which, by the way, Mifsud categorically denies. Papadopoulos isn't taking the bait. 
They hold Papadopoulos in the bullpen in the background. This is all the setup, plan B. They got to set someone up on the Trump team because they need the two-hop rule. What's the two-hop rule? They need to get a FISA warrant to spy on someone, anyone inside the Trump team. Once they can get their claws on anyone, Carter Page, Papadopoulos, they can do what's called the two-hop rule. They spy on Page using a FISA warrant, but they get to make a couple of hops, folks. They get to hop from Carter Page's emails, phone records, and metadata to everyone he emails and phone calls and that kind of stuff. And then they get to hop from those people to the people they call. Which will basically enact a surveillance net around the entire Trump operation. Almost the exact same effect of being able to tap into the NSA database before. Isn't that crazy how that happens? Oh, you're going to say that's a conspiracy theory too? They didn't get a, you're telling me they didn't get a FISA warrant against Carter Page. In October, you're telling me that didn't happen? You're telling me we're all making this up? You're telling me the two-hop rule doesn't exist? Check it out yourself. Again, the Internet's a powerful weapon. Ignorance is not bliss. They get a FISA warrant on the Carter Page, but still, they're not getting anything. The setup's not working. They're trying to set up George Papadopoulos by pushing information into Papadopoulos about Russian dirt. He talks about it with this Australian diplomat back in the United Kingdom. Isn't that crazy how this keeps happening? These United Kingdom intelligence assets, right? But the setup's not working because Papadopoulos is not talking about anything specific. He's mentioning that someone told him something about Russian dirt or whatever it is. There's nothing specific there. Even the Carter Page FISA is based on the dossier, which they can't verify, but they don't tell the judge that. Oh, I'll get to that in a little bit. The verification procedure, or the lack thereof in this case, is a scandal in and of itself. But they need this two-hop rule. They finally get their FISA, but they still don't have anything. They're reading Carter Page's communications. They're monitoring him. They're spying on him, and they don't have anything. How do we know they don't have anything? Ladies and gentlemen, Carter Page is a free man. Carter Page to this day has never been arrested for any kind of conspiracy related charge with a foreign government. He is out a free man today. Are you telling me with a straight face, you liberal wackos, that Carter Page, who was spied on with the full force of the United States government, all their weaponized government powers in this case, that they spied on him for months and could not accumulate even basic probable cause for an arrest warrant? Or maybe there just was no evidence. Oh, but they didn't stop there, folks. They needed evidence of collusion, even though there was none. So the setup continued. I'll get to how it continued on the other side of this break. Please don't miss this, folks. This is the biggest scandal in U.S. history, and it's all starting to come together. I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. We'll be- Mark Levin. Welcome back, 
back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter. If you want to comment or criticize, if you want to call in, 877-381-3811 if you want to call in and join the show. So I've been talking about Plan A, the spying operation on the database. That falls apart on the Trump team. Mike Rogers shuts it down. Plan B, we got to set this guy up. The Trump team. They start sending all these spies. You have the Halper operation. You have people uh, talking to Papadopoulos, reporting back to unofficial channels. You have all of this network of communication sources from international people all around the world, intelligence communities, diplomat people reporting on the Trump team, and they still don't have anything. They still don't have anything. How do we know that? Because George Papadopoulos has never been arrested for any kind of a conspiracy or a collusion charge. Oh, you don't know that, Libs? George Papadopoulos was arrested and prosecuted for lying to the FBI about the date he made contact with the professor. That's it. That's your whole case? You spied on Carter Page, a member of the Trump team, for a brief period of time, for months, and you have nothing? He's a free man. He's a free man even now. The setup wasn't working, folks, but the FISA warrant was. They're spying on the Trump team. Oh, yeah, they're spying. But the warrant's not approved till October. Oh, boy, that's a problem. It gets better, the setup part of the operation. But let me take a call quick because I promised Marty I would get to him before. Marty from New York City. Sorry about that mix-up before. We had a liberal on the line, Marty. His name was Mark, and he hung up and then called back. I think he was afraid of what was going to happen. But you are, uh, you are, the phone lines are now yours. What do you got for us, buddy? Hello? <laughs> Hello? Anybody there? Is anybody yeah, there? Hello? 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 Yes, hello. Hey. Is this Dan? No, it's Rich. Who's this? Okay, I'm holding on Marty. Oh, who are you holding for? For Dan, for Dan. Oh, why do you want to talk to Dan? Huh? Why do you want to talk to Dan? I'm waiting an hour and a half. I went to the... <laughs> Marty, I'm messing with you. It's Dan. You're on the air, buddy. I'm just messing okay. with you. <laughs> so, sorry. Okay, Dan, here's my question, which has right, bothered me ready for a long time. Okay. With all the uh, investigations that are going on and the probable proof against the DOJ and the uh, and the FBI, et cetera, et cetera, the dossier, the steel, and all that stuff, I'm going to be hearing it already for months, which is, of course, probably everything is accurate. Yeah. How do we implement how do we get this to the step how do we get this to a grand jury how do we gotcha. get this to an investigative body that can have muscle is Good the question. only way out of this my question okay i only got 30 throwing seconds out, so i'm sorry about messing with you by the way I just i don't have a little throwing fun. out the ag and getting another uh, ag to call special all right, hold on time out let me yeah. answer your question it's a two-step process Number one, let's see what Huber, who is the United States attorney assigned to investigate this malfeasance, brings to the table. Okay, let's see what he has first, because we already have a United States attorney looking into it. I'm not suggesting everything's going swimmingly or going fast, but I'm suggesting it's probably a good idea that we see what Huber has. If Huber produces a document that does not suffice, we should immediately call for a second special counsel to look into all this stuff, in my humble opinion. That's the answer to your question, Marty. All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin.
Coming from, from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for the great one. So funny. You know, with the show, there's a, there's a bit of a delay. Uh, I don't know what it's about, 30 seconds. So I'm saying something now. You're, you're actually hearing it 30 seconds later. So we go to the break in the last hour, and we had the caller. Um, who is that? Uh, Mark or whoever? The guy, uh, Marty. 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 Nice guy held for a while. And when he got on the phone, he, he, didn't, he, he wasn't ready for the call. He was a good call. I'm not knocking Marty. He was really good. Great question. But uh, I, you know, I was messing with him a little bit. And I walk outside. My wife is cooking dinner outside of my studio, and she's got the headphones in. So she's listening, and she's laughing her butt off, like knee slapping. She thought it was hysterical. So you see, I love my wife to death. She's my biggest fan. She's actually out there listening with the headphones in. And she thought that little exchange with Marty was fun. You got to have fun on the show. Listen, this is serious stuff we're talking about. But there's nothing wrong with taking a little bit of a lighthearted approach once in a while. All right, now back into the serious stuff. So if you've been listening to the show all along, you know we're right at the end of Plan B, moving into Plan C. If you just tuned in now, here is a one-minute recap. I've been talking about the operation known as Spygate. That's what I call it. It's what I call it in my book. It is, uh, it is an elaborate scheme to spy on the Trump team. It is actually three separate schemes. It wasn't intended to be that way. The original plan was to use foreign intelligence and the United States government databases to query things on the Trump team to gather information that could be weaponized to use against the Trump team for political purposes. It may have also been an operation to spy on political opponents who were not Donald Trump as well. Remember, there were more than one Republican candidate running for office. There were actually quite a few. Now, what leads us to believe that U.S. government databases may have been used to do this? The FISA court's own internal review, which they released again on April 26th of 2017, when they indicated that the FBI had used private contractors to access this database. That access persisted even after their FBI assignment was over and that a large swath of the queries into that database did not meet uh, the uh, NSA's guidelines Wow. Interesting. I even told you what pages to go to. There's a lot of redactions, as someone tweeted me during the uh, break. And you're right. There are significant redactions in this FISA court document. But if you read page 82, 83 and 84, you'll see what I'm telling you is absolutely true. That is not a hoax. That is a real FISA court document about this unbelievable scandal. Now, Plan A gets shut down again because Mike Rogers of the NSA says, stop, no more queries into this database by these private contractors. <clears throat> Emergency break. What do we do? Gosh, we still got to spy on the Trump team. So how do we do that? Let's try to get a FISA warrant. Let's open up an actual FBI investigation. Well, got a problem here, folks. In order to open up an FBI investigation, there are very specific procedures. The FBI has procedures laid out in their diog, their investigative guidelines, and the DOJ has procedures, too. You can't just willy-nilly open up a case to spy on American citizens, folks. It is a big deal. They needed evidence 
Oh, look who comes to the rescue. You got Bruce Orr, the number four official in DOJ, whose wife is working with a company hired by the Clintons to gin up evidence, by the way. And he conveniently has a relationship with Christopher Steele, who produces a dossier, which fills the evidence vacuum the FBI had. Oh, isn't that nice? They get a FISA warrant using that dossier to spy on Carter Page. The two-hop rule is in effect, where they can hop from Carter Page to the people he emailed to the people they emailed, which basically encompasses a surveillance network of the entire Trump team. But they've still got nothing. Again, how do we know this? We know this because Plan A failed. They still don't have anybody arrested. Plan B is failing because Carter Page is still a free man, despite the full power of government turned against him. They go after George Papadopoulos, but all they get Papadopoulos on is lying about the date that he met this Maltese professor. He's not charged with conspiracy. What do we do to directly implicate the Trump team so we can shut them down and keep this spying operation going? Do I have an idea? Well, Fusion GPS, conveniently, right around June is working with a Russian lawyer on a separate case. Working with a Russian lawyer by the name of Natalia Veselnitskaya. Now, Fusion GPS, to be clear, is working for Hillary Clinton's team. They're paying through a law firm to kind of hide the money. But Fusion GPS is, is working with, the, with Christopher Steele on behalf of Mrs. Clinton to gin up evidence on the Trump team. But they don't have it. They also have this Russian lawyer, Natalia Veselnitskaya, they're working with on a separate case, a separate case to gin up public support in the United States to scrap the Magnitsky Act. The Magnitsky Act is, in, in essence, a series of sanctions against Russian oligarchs involved in the death of Sergei Magnitsky, right? That's a separate case. This is what they're working on with this Russian lawyer. All of a sudden, this Russian lawyer starts to pop up, though, in the Trump case. The Trump case they're working on. Remember, Fusion GPS is working for Hillary. Go get evidence but the Trump team and Russian collusion. We don't have any. That's okay. Just make it up. They're also working on this Magnitsky case. Fusion GPS, probably in a eureka moment, says, wow, this could be great. We could kill two birds with one stone. What if we get a meeting with Donald Trump Jr.? And we go to that meeting. Well, how would we get a meeting with Trump Jr., with a Russian lawyer? Let's say we have information on Hillary's, uh, negative information on Hillary and her dealings with Russia. So they reach out to this British publicist and they wind up getting this meeting. Now, these people have to be sitting around a table, the, the conspirators here, and they have to be saying, now we got them. Carter Page is turning up nothing. Papadopoulos is turning up nothing but process stuff. We got a real problem. But if we can get this Russian lawyer into this meeting with Don Trump Jr. and we can get him on the record agreeing to waive some Magnitsky sanction in conjunction for information on Hillary, man, we got this guy hook, line and sinker. But emergency break. What happens? The answer is nothing happens. Veselnitskaya shows up to the meeting with Renat Akhmetshin who is a allegedly Russian foreign intelligence connected operator who has very significant connections, by the way, to the Clinton team, just like Veselnitskaya is connected to the firm Hillary Clinton hired Fusion GPS to gin up evidence on Trump. 
The guy she shows up with, her lawyer, his lawyer, excuse me, the guy by the name of Lieberman, his wife used to be who? Oh, oh, Bill Clinton's deputy chief of staff. Wow. Wow. Oh, a translator shows up, too, just to make sure nothing's lost in translation like the movie. Oh, and the translator had worked for the Hillary Clinton State Department. Gosh, these coincidences are just crazy. How is all this happening? So people show up for this meeting with Don Jr. The one woman is working for the company hired by Mrs. Clinton to gin up evidence on Trump. The former Russian intelligence-connected guy who shows up's lawyer is a Hillary-connected guy whose wife was Hillary's husband's chief of staff, Bill Clinton. Wow, that's just crazy. And the translator who shows up to make sure nothing's lost just happened to work for the Hillary State Department. They're probably thinking as they're sitting down in Trump Tower, we got them now. We are going to prove Russian collusion. Not only are we going to prove Russian collusion, we're going to get it all on the record. We're going to make sure this translator takes detailed notes. Well, what's the problem? Trump Jr. doesn't bite. He listens to this anti-Magnitsky thing for a few minutes, realizes quickly that this is just some nonsense meeting, and they leave. He says, hey, thanks, see you, wouldn't want to be you. And no deal is ever cut. Oh, they're probably in a panic. These people probably thought they had him hook, line, and sinker. Why? Because what's the narrative that resurfaces later that was probably going to be used to nail Don Trump Jr.? God forbid he had agreed to that, which he didn't. And by the way, he was very transparent about the whole thing later on, which we still haven't got Hillary's emails, but that's okay. Don Trump Jr. released all the emails on that. But the Democrats don't want to give him any points for transparency because that's not what they do. Honesty isn't really their thing, you know, the Democrats. The Logan Act. The Logan Act, this never used successfully in the history of the United States law that dictates that private citizens can't conduct business on behalf of the United States with foreign powers. This has never, matter of fact, the guy it's named after, the Logan Act, wasn't even successfully prosecuted. It has never, ever in the history of the country been used. Folks, I will bet you my bottom dollar. That this Trump Tower meeting with these Hillary Clinton connected people who are connected to Fusion GPS and the Clinton space, this was 100% in my mind this setup. Uh, my book lays this thing out. It is hook, line, and sinker. But the setup didn't work because Don Trump Jr. wasn't the conducting the business of the United States government because he left the meeting when he realized it was crap. Now they're like, darn, our Logan Act thing, Logan Act. We can't get them on conducting business of the United States government getting rid of these Magnitsky sanctions. We got to move on to our next target. Oh, who's that? Another person conveniently disliked by the Trump administration. Uh, excuse me, by the Obama administration, but hired by the Trump administration. Mike Flynn. Surely we'll get him on the Logan Act. Oh, they made sure, all right. They made sure they got him on something. Folks, I'm going to wrap up this story for you in the next 45 minutes. Don't go anywhere. I'm Dan Bongino. In for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin.
to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for the great one. He will be back with you tomorrow. Have no fear. So, folks, we're on Plan B, the big setup of the Trump team they needed after Plan A failed. And the setup just ain't going well. Now you say to yourself, ah, Dan, I'm having a hard time believing that that Trump Tower meeting with Don Jr. and this Russian lawyer and this Russian Kremlin Intel connected guy and this translator, even though they're all connected to Hillary Clinton. Yep, that's right. Hillary Clinton. I said that right. I'm having a hard time believing this was a setup. Are you really? Let me ask you a couple questions. The Russian lawyer that shows up at that meeting, right, with Don Trump Jr., I'm telling you this is a setup. How'd she get in the country? She wasn't allowed in the country. Do you know that? Yeah, Libs, you may have missed that one. But she got a special exemption by the Department of Justice to pop into the country for this little meeting. Wow, that's crazy how that happens, isn't it? Just, just so odd how all these... Coincidences keep adding up. So you're telling me the Obama administration with a straight face gives her a special exemption to get into the country to go meet with Trump Jr. at Trump Tower to lobby against the Magnitsky Act, which Barack Obama supported. Folks, does this make any sense to you? You know, I was a federal agent for 12 years. Not every case is made beyond the reasonable doubt with direct evidence. In other words, not everything's a confession. Sometimes it's quite the opposite. Sometimes the subject will insist up until his actual conviction and the gavel falls that he or she didn't do a darn thing. But you put together a case. You can put together a circumstantial evidence case when the evidence gets overwhelming The jury's forced to say to itself, I don't have a reasonable doubt anymore. Folks, this case is getting to that point. The Russian lawyer that shows up for the Trump Tower meeting was given a special exemption visa to get into the country to meet with Don Jr. To lobby against the Magnitsky Act. Why else would the Department of Justice let her in? Who would, was someone working with this woman? Was someone encouraged by someone with Fusion GPS to let her in? What happened? Are we not entitled to know? Why was the intelligence guy, Akhmetshin, who's connected to Russian intelligence according to multiple reports, why is he there? Why is his lawyer a, cl- a close Clinton acolyte? His lawyer's wife was Bill Clinton's deputy chief of staff. Why is the translator working for the U.S. State Department when Hillary was in there? And why is this Russian lawyer showing up at a meeting with Trump Tower working with a company hired by Mrs. Clinton to gather information on Donald Trump? Are you not even a little bit curious? Now, I want to get to plan C, which was unintended, but I got to close out plan B. So plan A, again, use these databases to spy on them. The database use gets shut down. Plan B, set them up. The setup doesn't work. They try Papadopoulos. They try Page. They try Don Jr. That doesn't work. They rapidly move on to Mike Flynn. They unmask him. They gather some information that he may have been talking to some Russians. They go and Sally Yates hits him. 
They hit him and they interview him and they get him on another process crime. False statements, which I don't believe were false and neither did the FBI. One angle we haven't talked about. When the setup wasn't working, they had to activate human, human intelligence assets. That's where Stefan Helper, who's a CIA-connected and British intelligence-connected asset we've used before. That's where he comes into play in this. Notice it's right around this time period, the April, May, June, July 2016 time period, where they've been shut out of the spying database, and they're trying to set up the Trump team with enough information to move to a full investigation that opens in July. With enough information that the Trump team is colluding with the Russians, but they don't have it. So they activate this guy, Halper, who starts emailing who? Carter Page and Papadopoulos setting up meetings, asking them about Russian emails. You know about the Russian emails, right? That's an actual email he sent to a member of the Trump team. This guy's connected to our own Central Intelligence Agency and British Intelligence. The human activation of a human asset against an opposition political campaign is an enormous scandal in and of itself. But the frightening part is it's just a small sliver of Plan B, which is a small sliver of Plan A, Plan B, and Plan C to spy on Donald Trump and the team. I'll get to Plan C on the other side of this break. I'm Dan Bongino, in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino filling in for Mark. We'll be back with you tomorrow. We've been going through the whole detailed, scary, disturbing, troubling operation to take down the Trump team. And if you've been listening for the last three hours, you now have a bird's eye view of Plan A, which failed, Plan B, which failed. And then they had to move to Plan C after this whole Spygate thing was going to come out. And how was it going to come out? What happened? There was this little thing that happened on a Tuesday in November called Election Day. Yeah, Democrats and liberals and their media pals missed that one. Remember Chris Saliza, the political prognosticator who wrote that piece and said, Trump's chances of winning are approaching zero, zero, which is a tautologically uh, (laughs) nonsensical statement. Of course, his chances of winning weren't zero. He won. Now the panic sets in. So we've been unmasking Trump uh, associates using Susan Rice, Samantha Power, and others. We've been spying on Trump's team using foreign intelligence, which we already know. This is available in publicly available reporting by left-leaning outlets who thought they were contributing to the look how serious this is narrative. Even foreign intelligence is spying on Trump, never realizing the collusion never happened, and they were going to have to backtrack later, which they can't. Now they can't retract it. You ever see a Bronx tale right now? You can't leave. So foreign intelligence is spying on him. We find out also from the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court that databases are being accessed, NSA databases with this information, by private contractors. 
we find suspicious information creeping up in a dossier paid for by the Clintons. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, the entire kitchen sink is thrown at the Donald Trump team. Foreign intelligence, domestic intelligence, our domestic FBI, unmasking, national security letters, human intelligence assets in the form of Stefan Halper, and actual spies are being thrown at this team. They have weaponized the entire government, and yet Donald Trump still manages to pull off this victory. What the heck are they going to do now? Now they're sitting around, they're chewing their fingernails to stubs in a room, these DOJ, FBI, Obama administration officials, and they're like, fellas, ladies, what the heck are we going to do now? Trump's the president-elect. He's going to start getting briefings. He's going to start figuring this out. You know what's fascinating? Mike Rogers, who's been a hero of this story from the beginning, who shuts down this contractor access into the spy NSA spy database that was being abused. He makes an unannounced visit to Trump Tower about 10 days after the election, unannounced in that he doesn't tell the Obama administration. Conveniently, the next day. Donald Trump evacuates Trump Tower and heads up to Bedminster to do the rest of his meetings. Interesting how that happened. Also inconvenient for the Obama administration, and by the way, you can read this all yourself, immediately after that meeting, the Obama administration attacks Rogers publicly in the newspaper. Attacks him, Obama administration officials. Demanding he resign, that he leave. Why would they do that? Why were they so worried about what Mike Rogers told Donald Trump? Trump knows, folks. Trump knows all of this. Trump has ultimate declassification authority, and I'm sure as my name is Dan Bongino, Donald Trump has been briefed on everything I've told you. You may say, well, why doesn't he just declassify it? Oh, I think he's going to. I think he's waiting for just the right time to expose this entire scandal, but we haven't even gotten a plan C. What's plan C? Plan C is the wet work. It's the nasty stuff. Plan C is the cleanup operation. What do we do? How do we hide this? Ah, We can't. Ah, I've got an idea. Why don't we start promulgating this collusion narrative with our media friends, who, of course, are liberals at heart. They'll help us out. They hate Donald Trump. Why don't we start pushing this media narrative and let's go after Mike Flynn? Remember that Logan Act thing we were going to try to get Trump Jr. on? Negotiating on behalf of the U.S. government about Magnitsky and sanctions. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that didn't work out. But I'll tell you what. We unmasked Mike Flynn. So we have a recorded conversation of Mike Flynn talking to the Russian ambassador about what? Oh, did he mention sanctions? Great. This is awesome. Let's go interview him at the White House with the FBI on this Logan Act thing. Yeah, but no one's been prosecuted for the Logan Act ever. It doesn't matter. Interview him anyway. We have the transcript of the call. And if he slips even one bit, make sure we prosecute him later for false statements and we can further this Russian collusion. Great idea, fellas. Nice work. So 
So even though they know Mike Flynn wasn't being deceptive in the interview, they arrest him anyway, Bob Mueller, because that's what they can do later on. And they do, and they make sure that they are never, ever going to let this go. They leak it to their media friends. The existence of the Trump investigation appears in the New York Times in October. The existence of the Flynn phone call is leaked in early 2017 to David Ignatius of the Washington Post to make sure the media pushes and pushes and pushes for the appointment of a special counsel. And more importantly push Trump to fire someone, anyone, and when they do, make sure you move right in with demands for a special counsel investigation, and boom, the axe falls on Jim Comey, and immediately the calls come in for a special counsel. But it had to be a very specific person with that special counsel. Remember, we're in Plan C. This is not about investigating Russian collusion. Don't fool yourselves for a second. There is no Russian collusion. They know this. They've been spying on Carter Page for months. They've been unmasking Trump officials. They've been getting information from foreign intelligence. Make absolutely no mistake. John Brennan, Jim Clapper, Barack Obama, that Sally Yates and the entire administration knows the Russian collusion fairy tale is a complete hoax. But they desperately need to sweep this under the rug. Time for cleanup. Aisle four. I used to work in aisle four in Key Food and Metropolitan Avenue up in Forest Hills. It's closed now. I think it's a CVS now. Clean up aisle four. Well, who's going to clean it up for us? Oh, I got the perfect guy. How about Bobby M? Bob Mueller. This guy's great. Mueller was the FBI director during the Uranium One debacle. He was the FBI director during the Enron debacle, the prosecution of Enron. This guy will help us clean us up, clean up the mess in DOJ. Also, he's friends with all these people involved. And once we appoint him as special counsel, he can cover up for all his friends. Now, the little tidbit of information we found out last night on Fox, if you've been listening to the show for the last three hours, makes all kinds of sense. If you were listening to Fox last night, again, the Hannity Show, Sarah Carter was on with Greg Jarrett. And they said there's an interesting new revelation in this case. It's not. It's been out for a couple days now. But Bruce Orr. The Department of Justice official whose wife is working for the company hired to gin up evidence on Donald Trump. Bruce Orr apparently was keeping someone in the Justice Department and FBI in the loop, to quote, while he was getting this information from Christopher Steele and Fusion GPS and Glenn Simpson over there about the Trump team. Information that resulted in nothing more than a fake dossier. Well, how do we make the fact that we use the dossier to spy on the Trump team trying to set them up go away? Well, who was he briefing? Oh, he was briefing Bruce Orr and keeping Andrew Weissman in the loop. Andrew Weissman. Andrew Weissman. Where does that name? Andrew Weissman. Who's that again? Oh, he's the lead investigator for Bob Mueller's case. Isn't that great? What better guy to come in and do a cleanup on aisle four than Bob Mueller, who happens to be buddies with Andrew Weissman? Isn't that great? So not only has Andrew Weissman been briefed in on the entire scandal to set up and spy on Donald Trump, but Weissman as well is now appointed as the lead investigator to prosecute and go after the Trump team for a collusion hoax that never happened. And apparently he was being kept, and I'm quoting, in the loop on. Folks, this really happened. This is not a fairy tale. It's not an Aesop's fable. 
This actually happened. Andrew Weissman, who was intimately involved in the entire scandal, is now charged with investigating the scandal he was being briefed on. This is not a joke. This is actually happening. This is Bob Mueller's lead guy. Now, what makes Andrew Weissman himself extra special, especially suited to make this all go away? Well, our buddy Andy can make it all go away by constantly focusing on investigating Trump and Trump satellite and Trump, Trump satellite officials and Cohen and everybody else. Just keep the attention on Donald Trump. Make all the rest of this go away. But who else does Andrew Weissman know? You know, interestingly enough, when Bob Mueller was the FBI director and they were engaged in the Enron prosecutions that were an abysmal failure, all kinds of prosecutorial malfeasance was alleged. There were prosecutions thrown out. The case was a disaster. Who was one of the lead prosecutors on that case while Bob Mueller was with the FBI? Think, put your thinking caps on. Oh, Andrew Weissman. Gosh, crazy how that happens. But Andrew Weissman, not coincidentally, who worked with him on that case, the Enron case? That was a cute little task force of people who all kind of knew each other and palled around. One of his prosecutors on that case was a woman by the name of Catherine Rumler. Who's Catherine Rumler? Catherine Rumler. People are going to Wikipedia right now. Catherine Rumler. Oh, she was Obama's White House counsel during this entire Spygate scandal. Isn't that fascinating? She was also known as Obama's fixer. Just Google Catherine Rumler, Obama fixer, and you can read all the things Catherine Rumler was involved in with Obama. Benghazi, the IRS, the Secret Service scandal, the list goes on and on and on. So Obama's fixer and White House lawyer, while the entire Spygate operation was going on, is also buddies with Andrew Weissman, who's now prosecuting or trying to prosecute members of the Trump team for a collusion hoax that he was apparently briefed in on in some respect? Folks, this is real. This actually happened. Who else does Andrew Weissman know and who worked in that Enron task force? Lisa Monaco who worked in the Obama White House in a national security role during this whole Spygate scandal and an abuse of our national security functions. She was on the Enron Task Force, too. And who else did she work for? Oh, she was Bob Mueller's chief of staff. Oh, cute. Isn't that nice? So Bob Mueller knows her, too? You think she may have some information relevant to what happened there in the Obama White House while this spying scandal was going on? I think so. Even better. Who takes Lisa Monaco's spot as chief of staff for Bob Mueller? Oh, this guy named John Carlin, which is just fascinating what this guy does. John Carlin, who works in the Department of Justice National Security Division, who's one of the last people, after he leaves Bob Mueller's chief of staff position, by the way, he's one of the last people in the DOJ who would have to sign off on the verification of the information in the FISA warrant to spy on the Trump team. And the information was false. The dossier 
was garbage. Oh, and that was Bob Mueller's old chief of staff. Isn't it cute how they all know each other? You think they sit around a campfire, pat each other on the back and how wonderful they are? Tell me again how the swamp isn't real. There was no better person for a cleanup operation than Bob Mueller. And that's what you're witnessing right now. Make absolutely no mistake. I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for Mark. I'll be back with you tomorrow, folks. Make sure you tune into his show, by the way, Life, Liberty, and Levin. Sunday nights on the Fox News Channel at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. It is a can't-miss show. It is my favorite long-form interview show anywhere. If not, uh, if you can't see it live, DVR it. It is really terrific. It is absolutely worth your time. I was privileged enough to be a guest on the show as well, where I discussed a lot of the stuff I talked about here with Joe DeGeneva. We were co-guests on the show at the time. Folks, you may ask, uh, you know, why are you so interested in this? And if I may, in the last few minutes of the show, this case fascinates me because it scares me and it should scare you, too. You know, I was a federal agent for over a decade of my life. I loved it. I was proud of it. I my time with the Secret Service, I had some fond memories, I had some tough ones, too. But, you know, when you go out and you slap the bracelets on someone. When I say the bracelets, I'm not talking about something from Pandora. I mean the the handcuffs. It's tough. If you have an ounce of empathy in you and you go out and you lock up a guy who's been accused of a financial crime and you have probable cause to get a warrant, you go into his house in the early morning and his kids wake up and his wife wakes up, no matter how bad of a guy he is, if you have an ounce of empathy in you, it is really, really hard to ask him to turn around, put his hands behind his back, and watch his kids crying and his wife. It's hard. I'm sorry. I'd be lying to you if I said otherwise. Some of you have done it know exactly what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the rapists and the murderers. Those guys, uh, you know, they can they can go to Hades and take the express train. I'm talking about people who've done some stupid things, but, you know, you watch that, and you see their kids, and they realize their dad's not coming back for a while, and you realize the awesome power that the people have granted you. As a federal agent, the power to take away someone's freedom. The fact that entities of the United States government that have that power to take away freedom, to bankrupt, to confiscate, to destroy, in some cases, to destroy someone's life completely. The fact that that power was turned on a political opposition, the political opposition of Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton. With no evidence at all to this day that the allegations of collusion and what they've alleging were the cause of this even happened should frighten every one of you. I've been doing homework on this case for a long time. It's all in my, in my book. Uh, if you choose to buy it uh, tonight, I'd appreciate it. If not, I understand. I'm not great at plugging my own stuff, but it's available on Amazon for pre-order now. It comes out October 9th, but it's called Spygate. I put the last year of my life into it. My co-authors, uh, Denise McAllister and Matt Palumbo, and when you read it, I think a lot of what I told you is in there tonight. You will be as disturbed as I am that the full power of the United States government was weaponized to go after someone to this day who we know is absolutely innocent of the charges. 
There is not a, a scintilla of evidence out there that any of this collusion actually happened. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. Mark will be back with you tomorrow. I'm Dan Bongino. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for the calls. I really appreciate it, and I'll see you all soon.